This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting reyrey.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's R-U-I-R-U-I dot com slash retail anywhere. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, August 12th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... America's top auto safety official steps down. An appeals court rejects GM's RICO lawsuit against Fiat Chrysler, and Rivian adds a second shift as its second quarter loss widens. Plus, a conversation about how service departments can create customer advocates. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration Chief Stephen Cliff is leaving the nation's top auto safety agency. He'll join the California Air Resources Board as its executive officer on September 12th. Cliff has been in the job for only 78 days. Before that, the agency had been without a permanent leader since 2017. That's when Mark Rosekind resigned as the Trump administration took over. Under Cliff, NHTSA has released first-of-its-kind data on crashes linked to advanced driver assistance systems, and fully automated driving systems. The agency has also escalated its scrutiny of Tesla's autopilot. This won't be Cliff's first go-round with the California Air Resources Board. Before joining NHTSA, he served as the powerful state agency's deputy executive officer. General Motors is once again on the losing side in court when it comes to the automaker's racketeering claims against Fiat Chrysler. A U.S. appeals court upheld a 2020 ruling that dismissed a racketeering lawsuit that GM filed against its rival and former executives. In 2019, GM claimed that FCA bribed UAW union officials over many years to corrupt the bargaining process and gain advantages. The company said that it cost GM billions of dollars. In the new ruling, a three-judge panel wrote that even if that theory is true, GM still hasn't proven that there was causation between the bribes and GM's losses. GM said it strongly disagrees with the ruling and that it will pursue other claims not based on the racketeering laws. FCA is now part of Stellantis. If there's an inventory rebound coming anytime soon, it's definitely not here yet. Cox Automotive says U.S. inventory dropped 100,000 vehicles in July. It's now sitting at barely over a million vehicles. Supplier issues continue to stifle attempts by automakers to boost production. Subaru still has the tightest supply at three days. That's among the seven automakers that continue to report sales and inventory data to the Automotive News Research and Data Center. Other Asian brands are also running lean, in part because of their long supply lines. Ford continued to have the strongest inventory levels among reporting brands. It has a 40-day supply. Another company that's been short on supply is Rivian. To address that, the EV maker is now adding a second shift at its assembly plant in Normal, Illinois. That's after Rivian fell far behind production targets this year. The factory has an annual capacity of 150,000 units a year. It's well behind its goal of turning out just 25,000 vehicles. Rivian says adding a second shift later this quarter will further accelerate production in the final stretch of the year. The company hopes to take advantage of improved parts availability to get back on track after making fewer than 7,000 vehicles in the first half. The news came as Rivian said 
its net loss widened to over $1.7 billion in the second quarter from $580 million a year earlier. Reported revenue came in around $360 million in the quarter. The company burned through $1.2 billion from April through June, leaving it with just under $15 billion in cash. The company says that's enough to cover the $5 billion earmarked to open a second U.S. assembly plant outside Atlanta in 2025. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, this Rivian story has me wondering, how can they be adding a second shift when they just keep losing money? <laughs> well, it's really hard to make money in the auto business if an assembly plant isn't running two shifts at nearly full time and full speed. So with Rivian as a startup, they've got to get their processes in place and make sure they can efficiently manufacture, and they've just got to get enough parts. So if they're adding this second shift in the second half of the year, uh, that should be a good sign that they're optimistic, that they're going to be able to, to get the chips, get the parts, get their lines up to speed, and maybe even start making some money. As they say, you got to spend money to make money. Coming up, a fixed ops expert says dealership service departments need to change their focus away from hitting the numbers. We'll hear from industry expert Mike Vogel next on Daily Drive. Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in store? or vice versa. You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase, no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, explains how. Retail Anywhere is, is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine that, you know, that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in-store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's you know really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how, Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayray.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Dealership service departments are constantly thinking of new ways to retain customers once their warranty expires. But industry expert Mike Vogel, who does service manager coaching, says many on the service drive are going about things the wrong way. Instead of focusing on achieving a certain dollar amount each month or obsessing over customer surveys, Vogel says service departments can win the customer retention battle by simply having good people in place following the proper processes. Vogel spoke with senior editor Dan Schein about how service departments can keep customers coming back. Here's their conversation. Mike, thanks for joining us today on the Fixed Ops Friday edition of Daily Drive. Thank you, Dan. It's great to be here and I look forward to our discussion. Yeah, so I know you're very focused. One of you you do a lot of service manager coaching, been in the dealership world for many years, now kind of consulting with uh, different vendors and different uh, folks. Tell me a little bit about, I know retention, customer retention is, is a big focus of yours. In our conversation we talked a little bit earlier, you say that 
service departments, dealerships are too caught up in kind of chasing the numbers, you know, the money. Why is that a wrong approach in your eyes? Well, obviously, uh, numbers are important for any business, whether we're talking automotive or any other business out there. However, if we don't put the focus on the customer's experience being the best that it can be, as well as the employee experience, really, to start with, and I, I think that's where we're, we're missing the boat. We should do a better job on hiring the right people that are customer focused. And uh, we should also focus on what's important to our customers for the most part as a majority that's going to make them uh, not only want to come back, but also maybe become customer advocates. And when you put too much focus on the numbers, then you take leaders and make them managers because really what you're doing is you're managing the numbers and we just need more leadership out there that's working with the teams to make the experience the best that it can be understanding who's doing what and who's not doing what as far as accountability is concerned and also getting to learn more about your customers you can't do that from an office you know piling over numbers and reports and my true belief is if you focus on both the employee experience and customer experience, at the end of the day, the numbers are going to follow because in real world, happy customers spend more money and they keep coming back. And uh, to quote one of my friends, Tully, you know, we're in the repeat and referral business or we should be in the repeat and referral business. We shouldn't be into the transactional experience. Right. It's just a little bit too much focus on on money, right? And, and numbers and RO numbers and things like that. You also talk a little bit about negatively on chasing the scores and when it comes to customer service. We, in the latest issue of Fixed Ops Journal, we wrote about CSIs and how we think, you know, a lot of people in the industry think they are ineffective and kind of also can lead to, you know, mental health issues with service advisors who may get dinged for a bad score that they had nothing to do with. It's kind of something out of their control. But you also talk a little bit about how, again, chasing that score is, is kind of a bad practice. Tell me more about that. So obviously, you know, I think the OEMs are just as responsible as the dealerships because they put a lot of emphasis on hitting numbers so that they can get bragging rights, whether it's with JD Power or other awards and going to banquets and, and beating our chests and saying, you know, we're, we're number one. But, you know, when you look back and I'm using service departments as, as the example, you know, if, if we service 3,000 customers in a month and I get back 300 surveys, that's 10% of my business. Is that really reflective on what kind of job we're doing? And now it kind of circles back to you want to be out in the trenches with the team, with the customers, understanding what's going on with your business. That's where you're going to find out the most. It might be in the customer lounge. Listening to conversations, or even you know striking up a conversation with customers, it could be just observing what's going on in the service drive. It could be listening to phone calls to see how they're being handled. All those things are important. The other thing to remember with CSI is it's there's a lot of perception questions on there that can be answered differently. What you Dan think of as convenient hours of service, and what I think could be totally different. What would you think is a fair pricing could be different than what I think is fair pricing. So we can learn some stuff from the surveys, but we also don't have a lot of gray area in there. And, and I think the only way you're going to do that is you got to be right in the middle of your department, understanding 
how things are running, how things are running in the shop, in the parts department, in your BDC department. How are your service advisors handling phones, traffic on the drive? And, and just listening and observing and, and making corrective actions as necessary. You shouldn't be too surprised as a service manager if you, if you get some bad surveys. If you didn't know about an unhappy customer, then things aren't being done as a team to make sure that they don't happen. So that's why I say CSI is broken. It, it's, it's been around for 30 years or so. And really, we've made no improvements as far as customer retention. So that tells me that they're, they're not being effective in the end goal. You know, we all kind of know the numbers. Uh, after the warranty is over, 70% of your customers are walking. And it's been this way for many years. And there have been all sorts of things we've, that people have tried to do in the fixed house industry to fix it. And it hasn't really done that. And uh, you know, we talked a little bit about you know, new lounges and putting greens and baristas and, you know, wine bars and all that kind of stuff to make people's experience better, customers' experience better. And now service pickup and delivery, mobile service, especially since the pandemic, which customers say they love and they want. But you can kind of say, go cautiously if you're a service manager. You know, before you leap, take a look. What, are, what should they be cognizant of before they maybe start offering these kind of services? Well, I, what I have to say is take a good, hard look at your operation. And are you doing everything in your current operation really, really well? Or is there an opportunity to make improvements, whether it's your, in your express department, whether it's in your BDC, whether it's in your service advisor or technician staff? You really have to have you know, your operation dialed in before you start jumping into more areas. Because reality is, if you're doing a a so-so job currently with your current operation, what makes you think adding on pickup and delivery and or mobile service, how is that going to affect your current operation that's not even running perfectly? And, and perfect is a strong word. If it's not running really well, what makes you think that that's going to fix all your issues? Now, we have to be cognizant that we, we want to, you know, do what the customer's are looking for, but we have to figure out how do we get there? Do I keep fine tuning my operation and then slowly launch the program or do I dive in head first? I think you got to proceed cautiously and make sure that you're doing the best that you can for your current customers with your current operation. If you're confident of that, absolutely jump in, let's get it done. But until then, you got to, you got to proceed cautiously and slowly in my opinion. And I know we've, spent some time here so far talking about what uh, service departments are doing wrong. Uh, so how about we end with uh, some things that they can do to improve uh, customer retention? So I, I think, you know, all departments have to play a part in making sure we do a solid introduction between sales and service. And we've, we've heard all the mantras out there about sales sells the first car and service sells the rest. But we talk a, a, a good talk, but the reality is there's not enough dealerships that, that focus on making sure that we get a strong introduction and the customer, when they purchase their car, understands the importance of servicing their vehicle with your dealership and all the benefits that go along with it. There's three words that I use throughout my career that I think are the key hot buttons for any service department. I call it TVC, trust, value, and convenience. 
those three words are really important in not only satisfying your customers, but also retaining your customers. And hopefully end game should be to create more customer advocates that are going to tell their friends, their neighbors, their coworkers, how great your dealership is. The problem with that is it's a lot of work. Trust means different things to different people. Value means different things to different people. And so does convenience. So your service advisors, your complete service staff, your BDC, everybody has to understand how important it is to find that hot button. What's important to this particular customer? Maybe all three aren't important to every single customer. Maybe trust is the big deal. Maybe value is is big in somebody else's eyes. And finally, it could be convenience. But if you focus in on doing a great job with your customer experience based around trust, value, and convenience, now you're selling everything that most customers will want and that you should be trying to accomplish as a dealership. Mike, enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on fixed ops, earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a conversation with DTE Energy's Vice President of Renewable Energy Sales and Project Development about the Detroit Utilities' new $120 million a year agreement with Ford, which it calls the largest renewable energy purchase from a utility in U.S. history. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.